week that I was approaching giddy, we are beyond giddy this morning. For those of you who have had a chance to meet Pastor Culp and his family this week, you've been blessed. I'd like Crystal and the boys to please stand. Crystal, Caleb, and Jacob, will you please welcome them this morning? On behalf of the pulpit committee, it is my honor this morning to introduce our speaker and hopefully our next senior pastor. Uh, pastor Culp has been for the last eight years a pastor of senior pastor of Briel Boulevard Church in Middletown, Ohio. Uh, many of you have gotten on the website and have had a chance to hear him, his message, uh, hear his message to all of us. And we are anticipating just a great time with Pastor this morning and in the years to come. Over the last, uh, since Wednesday, they have, the family has been here and they've had a chance to meet with just so many people. And I think you would agree with me, for those who had a chance to meet him and his family, that this is a real man of God, one person that, uh, and the family that we just look forward to getting to know better and will just make a great addition to our church family. It is my honor, my privilege, and I am just all excited. Ladies and gentlemen, will you please help me welcome Pastor David Culp. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, it feels like home. Uh, I was thinking, I told the, I think the pulpit committee this morning we met and had some prayer together before, before coming uh, into the service. And I feel kind of like uh, maybe somebody going to uh, get a job at Whirlpool as a, one of the leaders at Whirlpool. But before getting the job, they had to meet with the procurement people, had to meet with all the engineers, had to meet with all of the, the people in sales, had to go to every single building, every department, and then answer any question that anybody had uh, in the whole church. So, so that's, it, we felt kind of like running the gauntlet, as they, as they say, but it's a joy to be with you, and we're glad that part's over. And this is the fun part, getting to break open God's Word with you. So if you would, take your Bible and turn with me. Uh, to James, the first chapter. We're going to look at the 19th through the 25th verse. Let me just say as you're turning there, uh, how delighted that Crystal and I have been uh, to be with you. Uh, your hospitality has been uh, really encouraging to us. Uh, the pulpit committee, thank you to Bill and the, the great leadership that they have uh, given to this church. And that's exciting to see the dynamic, wonderful leadership that you have, uh, the staff that you have. I had gotten a chance a couple times to meet with them, to talk with them, to hear their heart, and you have been blessed with a tremendous staff. And So God obviously is at work here in St. Joe. And Crystal and I would just say to you that we would be delighted and excited uh, to put our hand to the plow beside you and serve you as we serve together our Lord to expand the kingdom here in St. Joe. One of the things I noticed coming in as we're kind of talking to different people, one of the things that 
people often say as, as they're greeting each other and talking, and, and even it was even alluded to, I think uh, Pastor Rick even said it, uh, but that the idea of blessing, the idea of God blessing us, and when you run into somebody and, and you say, well, bless you, as either a greeting or as you're, as you're leaving their presence, when we talk about the things that God is doing in our lives, we talk about, well, God has blessed me. We talk about in terms of, of, of healing, and we say, well, God has blessed me in taking care of this issue or that issue. When someone sneezes, what do we say? Now, I thought all of you German descent, descent people of German heritage would say Gesundheit, which I asked, uh, I asked somebody this morning who said they had some German descent, what that meant, and he said is kind of basically, God bless you. But what does it mean? What does it mean to say, to, to, to think of God's blessing? What is that? I uh, read, or I heard uh, Pastor Ed Young Jr., and he was talking, and he defined blessing this way, and if we could maybe have this uh, definition up. It says, blessing is uh, to be on the receiving end of the tangible and intangible favor of God. I kind of digest that for a minute. So when we talk about blessing and talk about this morning, how can I, how do I receive blessings? How do I, how can I receive God's blessing? Well, even though we all want it, sometimes we don't exactly know what it is or what it looks like. This is a pretty good definition. Being on the receiving end of the tangible and intangible favor of God. The tangible favor of God is that God has blessed me and he's healed me. God has blessed me and he's worked out that financial issue. God's blessed me and given me a child or, or any of those things you can see, feel, touch, smell. But then there are those intangible that sometimes are the greatest blessings that God can give us. In the midst of a doctor's report that we have cancer or a certain amount of time to live in this world, the blessing, the intangible favor of God is in the midst of that to be able to sense his presence and his peace in that. It's to be able to feel God's love for us, the joy, the, all those fruits of the Spirit. That's the intangible. And so when we think about what does it mean to say God is blessing us, it's the tangible, but it's also the intangible. So this morning, you know, trying to think about what do we talk about this morning, one of the things that I thought would be great for us to think about, what would it look like if God blessed this church? I think we all want that. What would it look like if God blessed your life? I think that's something that we all want, we all desire. Well, how do we get that? Well, let's look at God's Word. So, if, you've, if you have your Bible, let's read this text uh, together. James 1, verse 19. My dear brothers, take note of this. So, pay attention, guys. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life, that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do it, do what it says, is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror, and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. 
So how do we receive a blessing? How, do we, how are we able to enjoy the tangible and intangible favor of God? That's what we all want. Look at verse 21. He says, therefore, get rid of all of the moral filth and evil that is so prevalent. First thing we need to do, and, and here's the, just the, the big idea, the, gener- the thing that if you forget nothing else, it's this, is that obedience precedes blessing. Obedience always comes before blessing. And so, how can we be obedient? What does the word say? It says, therefore, get rid of all the moral filth. The first thing we need, we need to get prepared for this blessing that will come through our obedience. Now, what'd you do to get prepared for church this morning? Hopefully, as I look around, it looks like most of you maybe got up, took a shower, combed your hair, put some clean clothes on, brushed your teeth, hopefully, put some deodorant on, that kind of thing. Hopefully, you did some of those things. You, we do things to get prepared, don't we? We hopefully took off the dirty clothes that we had on from the day before, before we went to bed. Hopefully we took off the the clothes that we slept in uh, before we came to church this morning. There are things that we did to get prepared. We took off some things to prepare ourselves for something else. So what do we need to take off to prepare ourselves to get ready for this blessing that God wants to give us? He says to take off, to get rid of the moral filth. I heard a pastor one time explain that term where he's talking about this moral filth is a term similar to a term used in the Greek to refer to the wax in your ears. So think of it that way. In order to be able to listen to God, to be able to hear what he wants us to do and to be, to be obedient to him, that we need to get rid of the earwax. We need to get rid of the things that would hinder us from hearing him and discerning his will for our lives, to get rid of, to clean out our ears. And what's he saying? Clean out that right ear. We need to get rid of the moral filth first in order to be blessed. We need to get prepared. We need to get ready to hear, and we need to get rid of. So we get rid of all the moral filth. There's a passage in Romans 10, 9 and 10. In other words, what he's saying is you need to get rid of the sin in your lives. You need to get rid of the junk, the sin. And what does that passage say? Therefore, or that is in Romans 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, with your heart that you confess, with your mouth that you confess and are saved. We need to confess those things. Is there sin in our lives? If we'll be blessed by God, again, blessing comes after obedience. And so what does it mean? It says, get rid of, clean your ears up so you can hear, get rid of the moral filth in your life. Is there sin? Is there something? You need to confess that sin. Not only do we need to confess, we need to repent of that sin. Acts 3.19, and talking about repentance as a key, it says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Those times of refreshing, that's the blessed life. Have we not experienced that? Walking in obedience to God and, and when we walk close to him, the, the way that he refreshes us, that happens when we have confessed, when we've repented, when we have repented, we've turned around, we're walking this way, we realize, we realize some sin or some issue, some moral filth in our lives, and we turn around, we repent from that, we walk in a different direction. That's imperative. If we want to live the blessed life, if we want to enjoy the tangible and intangible favor of God, we need to clean out our ears so we can hear him. We need to repent. We need to turn around. He also says, not only there in verse 21, to get rid of the moral filth, but he also says, and get rid of 
the evil that is so prevalent, to get rid of all evil. And that's the things that we might bring into a relationship with Christ. Those habits or those issues from our past that we've kind of drug into our lives that we've not really dealt with. Again, we want to live that blessed life. We want to walk in obedience. And therefore, we need to get rid of all of the evil, the stuff that we've brought into this relationship. Our young people uh, in Middletown just got back last week from working with Kurt Salerno at Church on the Street down in Atlanta, Georgia. It's a wonderful ministry in an area where a lot of homeless individuals live in downtown Atlanta. There's a tremendous homeless population in downtown Atlanta. So Kurt Salerno has a, has a mission there. And our young people, we think we took about 50 down to Kurt's ministry. So some of the things that they did was to go out into the park surrounding that mission and preach the gospel. Literally. They went and they witnessed to uh, those men and women on the street and took the church to the street. The police department called, and you're always, this is a scary thing when the police department calls about your youth group. The police department called Pastor Salerno and he said, there's a group, or there's this gentleman that has come into the police station and he tells us that he met a group of young people that's staying at your mission. And what he tells us is that they talked to him about Christ, and he decided that he wanted to, and they prayed with him to uh, receive Christ, and he says he's wanting to change his life and turn his life around, and he's just turned in $20,000 worth of methamphetamine. That he wants to turn his life around. And he's brought this meth to us. A well, long story short, and so that was these young people from our church that had shared with him. Now, that guy's not a theologian, but what he recognized as he has this experience, as he's turned to Christ as he's confessed, as he's repented of his sin, he realizes that I have to get rid of all of the evil that's in my life. And he did that. They put him on a plane, actually, to California and put him in the witness protection program because he, 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 he told all of his connections and whatnot. And the police said, if we didn't get him out of this town, he would be dead this afternoon. But he recognized that he needed to get rid of the evil. And we need to recognize that. One of the things that is core to who we are as the church of God is we are a people that believes that the way that our lives are lived should coincide with what we say we believe. There's a term that uh, we used to throw around probably more than we do these days. It's a term called holiness. And to live a holy life, a life where the way we talk and the way that we live and the way that we interact with our world is in keeping with what we say we believe. It's in keeping with what we talk about on a Sunday morning. We live a life, a holy life, a, a life that's set apart, a life that's different from our world. And that is the life, the blessed life, the life that is getting rid of all the moral filth and getting rid of all the evil that is so prevalent in our world so that we then can experience and expect the tangible and intangible favor of God.
because he wants to bless us. Now, the second thing that we need to do, not only do we need to get prepared and prepare ourselves for this blessing, we also look at verse 21. He says, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. So if we're expecting to live the blessed life before God, it's imperative that we receive and accept the word. Humbly accept the word planted in you. One of the things that I've enjoyed doing as a father is uh, times, uh, times of coaching my two boys. My oldest boy, Caleb, plays soccer. For those of you who didn't know, he tried out for a soccer team and he made it. So, uh, uh, so he was excited about that. So I have never played soccer I had never played soccer, and I decided I want to spend some time with Caleb, and also wanted, because I also do it as kind of an outreach, because it gives me a chance to, to get to know people outside of the church, and to build relationships with people outside of the church, and so kind of a dual purpose, and so I decided I'm going to coach Caleb in soccer, Now I've never played soccer, I don't know anything about soccer. In fact, I prayed before, when, when our kids were little, I hope, God, please, don't make my son like soccer. <laughs> it just seemed like such a boring sport. You know, you, you go for however long and they score one point and that's a big deal, you know. But anyway, I've grown to love it. God's changed my heart and I, I'm excited about it now. So, so I, I'm going to coach Caleb in soccer. And so Caleb, is, Caleb excels. He's a, he's a good soccer player. He's a great soccer player. He's, he's played on different traveling teams. He really enjoys it. He plays all the time. He wants to play it exclusively. He doesn't want to play any other sport. He only wants to play soccer. So he knows a lot. And so here I am coaching these, uh, these boys. And I, at different times, would, would share some of what my limited knowledge was and ask the boys to do it this way or to, to do something that way. And Caleb is standing there in the back looking kind of skeptical, you know, kind of talking under his breath and kind of, well, actually, Dad, you know, you need to do it this way. And, and just, you know, that whatever attitude that kids sometimes have, you know, when, when you're talking to him, tell him what to do. Well, he knows more than I know. So, so I would often ask him, you know, what, Caleb, what do we need to do? How do we need to do this? But he kind of had that attitude. Now, Jacob, on the other hand, Jacob loves baseball. Now, I played baseball. I played baseball as a kid, I, you know, I went to camp, did all those things, and so here's Jacob, and I'm helping coach his team this year. And so imagine the excitement that Jacob has when, when I share with him how to, you know, stand at the plate and how to get your hips into the swing, or, 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 or how, to, how to, you know, position your body to get the, the momentum and when you're throwing the ball and all those things, and, and the vast knowledge of baseball that I've acquired through the years, like how to, how to split open a, a sunflower seed and, and spit the shell out and keep the seed. All those important things. You know, when it's appropriate to, to pat somebody on the rear end in baseball and when it's not, because you know they do that all the time. You know, when it's appropriate, when it's, all of those things that in, in baseball that, that I've known and that I'm sharing with, and imagine his excitement. What do you think his reaction is when, when I uh, share with Jacob about what he needs to do in order to be a better baseball player? You know what? It's pretty much the same as Caleb's. <laughs> Whatever, Dad. He knows better than I know. And do we not do that with God? That when God, in his word, or in what we know that we should be doing, do we treat him the same way as Christians? 
Do we have with God that, you know, I know it all kind of attitude? And yeah, whatever, God, attitude with God. How do we accept his word? And do we accept his word? Are we quick to try to understand what God's will for our life is? When, when we feel uh, conviction in an area, are we quick to try to respond and, and accept that word? Or do we kind of, more often than not, sit in church, and when we sit in church or, or, or whatever, we're always thinking about, oh, that's a great sermon, and I'm glad that guy on the other side of the church is here to hear it because he really needs that or this or I'm I'm glad the pastor's talking about that because my wife sure needs to hear that do we accept and that word accept is a word that's similar to a word that is uh, is a word the word hospitality so when we, when the word says that we should you know we should receive that we should accept this word we should open our, our lives up to it. We should welcome the word in. We should, we should treat it as, as we would a guest in our home, as we are hospitable. We would do whatever it takes to make that person feel welcome. That's the way we should be with God's word. We should accept and make that word welcome and open up our lives and accept that word. The next thing that we need to do is we think about how can we get ready for this blessing that God wants to give us is in verse 22, where he says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. So what I would throw out is, if we want to live the blessed life, we need to listen with a purpose. He says, Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Probably a majority of you have flown. And if you have flown, you have sat in an airplane as it's on the runway and what happens every time, because it's the law, before that plane takes off, the stewardesses stand up in the front of the airplane and they go through this safeties, you know, procedure talk. What happens, or how do you, how do you put your seatbelt on? Here's how you connect your seatbelt. What happens in the event that the cabin loses pressure, the oxygen mask will drop from the ceilings. You're to put them all over your face and take care of yourself and then help anybody that needs assistance next to you. You know, go through that whole gamut. The aisle, uh, the lights, their lights down the aisle will direct you to the emergency exits and the people sitting in the emergency exits, how to open up the doors and, uh, and your seat is a flotation device. You know, all of those things. And what do most people, 99.9% of the people that are sitting there on that airplane as that stewardess is sharing these important life-saving procedures, what are we all doing? Totally ignoring her. Totally ignoring or her, him. Totally ignoring them, aren't we? Why? Because that information is really not, doesn't really have a purpose. Now imagine that same airplane, the pilot having just come on in the midst of some tremendous turbulence, telling us in the plane that the plane is going down, that we're going to have to ditch, and, and it's going to be an emergency landing, and the stewards are going to get back up, and they're going to go back through the emergency procedures. The oxygen masks are about to drop. We're losing cabin pressure. We're going down. Are we still reading our magazine at that point? Are we still snoozing in the back at that point, fluffing our pillow? Everyone with rapt attention is listening to that individual because that information has purpose now. 
We need to listen to God's word with purpose. James was writing to a people that were going through tremendous difficulty, that were, that were being persecuted in severe, profound ways, and it was imperative that they listen to what was being said in this book, this letter to them. Imperative that they listen with a purpose, and, and we, hopefully we do this in marriage. Hopefully we are active listeners, that we are listening to our wives, our spouses, our husbands, and, and that we are listening, uh, being active listeners. We're reading between the lines. We're trying to understand the body language. When our wife says, does this make me look fat? We know what she really wants to hear, and, and, and we don't tell her. Yeah, you understand. When the Word says that we should not merely listen to it and deceive ourselves, there's something more to it. We need to not just listen and sit in church and, and listen or read God's Word and think about how it applies to somebody else, but we need to read between the lines, understand how it applies to our lives, and ask ourselves the question, okay, since you've said that, since I understand that, how then does that apply to my life? And so we listen with a purpose. I read a story of a man this week that uh, was picking up his brother-in-law at the airport. And we picked his brother-in-law at the airport. His brother-in-law got in the, in the car and he put his seatbelt on. That was kind of different because he had been trying to get his brother-in-law to wear a seatbelt. He said uh, he had talked to his brother-in-law about that before and tried to encourage him to wear a seatbelt. And so this time he puts a seatbelt on. He'd always kind of blown that off before. And so he asked his brother-in-law, why did you start, suddenly start wearing your seatbelt? He said, well, I had a friend of mine that was in a car accident. And I went to visit him in the hospital. And that the car in the accident, he didn't have his seatbelt on. He was thrown through the front windshield, and he had two or three hundred stitches in his face. And as I was visiting with my friend, I said to myself, I better start wearing my seatbelt. The guy responds, well, didn't you know that if you were in an accident and without your seatbelt on it, you potentially would be thrown through the windshield of your car? And he said, well, of course I knew that. I didn't go into the, I didn't go into the hospital getting any new information but the information that I had became new. Did you catch that? We in the church, many times, are educated far beyond our level of obedience. And so it's not a lot of times that we get new information, but if we listen with purpose, then that information can become new to us as we understand how it then applies to our lives. So, when I live the blessed life, what do we need to do? We need to listen with purpose. Look at verse 25. In talking to individuals who want to be blessed, he says that they look intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. The one who's blessed is the one who looks into this law and seeks to understand it. And how is that law described? It is the perfect law that does what? It is the path to freedom. God's word is not, uh, God's word and the truth of the word, we sometimes think, well, it, it means that I can't do this and I can't do that, and it's, it's all about bondage and all about limiting. That is not the case. God's law, the perfect law, the law that tells us how to experience salvation through the person of Jesus Christ, that is a law that gives and brings freedom. And when we listen to that law that gives freedom in life, we listen to it with purpose we become obedient to it, we can expect to experience a blessed life. Here's the key of the entire thing. The key is, after we've prepared 
ourselves, after we're getting rid of all the junk in our lives, after we've humbly accepted the word of truth that, you know, I don't know better than God does. This is his word. It's, he's given it to me. I'm going to accept it. I'm going to welcome it uh, with hospitality into my life. I'm going to listen. I'm going to discern with purpose. Then here's where the rubber meets the road. The key part, we need to do then what it says. Relay races are won or lost. Not sometimes necessarily with the team that's the fastest, but the team who does the best job with handing the baton from one individual to the next. The baton between that helps us to win the race, <laughs> to receive the blessing, the, the place that the baton gets passed is from listening to the word to then doing the word. Look at verse 23 and 24. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after he looks at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. So the person that, that listens and hears will drop the baton if they don't do what it says. And you miss the blessing. Because again, remember, obedience comes before the blessing. And obedience is the transition from hearing it to then doing it. Doing what it says. Imagine looking at yourself in a mirror. That's what this passage says. The person who looks in a mirror and then goes away and forgets what he saw is like the guy who, who imagine us this morning, go look in the mirror and realize that our shirt's buttoned wrong or realize that our hair's sticking up at the back or realize that there's got something in between our teeth and then turn away from that mirror and get distracted by something else or someone else talking to us and then forgetting that our shirt's amiss or our hair's sticking up or we have that thing in our, in, in our teeth. When we look at that mirror and we see something needs to be fixed, we need to fix it. And what he says is when you look at, in God's word, when God puts something on your heart, when you realize you need to do something or stop doing something or you need to make a phone call and apologize to someone or you need to, you need to stop not trusting God in some way or you need to you know, do something that is a, is a point of obedience, whatever that thing is, if you hear it, you see it, you hear listen to it, and then you walk away and don't do it. It's like a guy who looks in a mirror leaves his shirt all messed up or his thing in his teeth. There's no wisdom in that. We need to make sure that we do what it says. There's a guy by the name of Larry Walters. And I would encourage you to look this story up on the internet because it's one of those stories that is hard to believe. July 2nd, 1982, Larry Walters had this dream that he put into action. Larry Walters went out to Sears and bought a lawn chair, went to the Army surplus store and bought 42 helium balloons. Larry Walters tied those 42 helium balloons to that lawn chair, secured it by tethers, by ropes, to a car in his girlfriend's home in San Pedro, California. He put the lawn chair up on the roof and the, 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 then it was tethered to this, the, the bumper of this car. He climbs up on that roof. He's got a BB gun. 
to shoot out the balloons. Because his vision is, what he wants to do is, he wants to sail. He thinks, uh, he's always had a dream of, of going in this lawn chair tied to these balloons. He's always had this idea and sailing out over the desert. That's his vision. That's what he wants to do. A couple, he thinks he'll go a couple hundred feet in the air and, and do that. So he gets in this lawn chair. He's got his BB gun, got some sandwiches, got some drinks, has his camera, has a small CB radio so he can communicate to the ground. And of course, what any smart lawn chair balloonist would have. <laughs> he's got a parachute on. I mean, the guy's not an idiot. <laughs> Climbs up on the roof, gets in the lawn chair. They cut the first rope. And because of just the pressure of the, of, the, of the balloons, the other rope gives way, and he takes off quicker than he anticipated. His glasses fall off because he shoots up so quickly. He thought he was just going to go a couple hundred feet in the air. He rises to 16,000 feet, 1,000 feet per minute. True story. Check it out on the Internet. True story. 1982, Larry Walters. Okay, this is, this is the actual lawn chair that Larry Walters used, bought at Sears. So here he is, 16,000 feet up in the air. He's floating along. He's, you know, it's pretty cold at 16,000 feet. He's floating along toward, uh, not toward the desert. The wind's going a different way, probably up at that level. And he is floating toward the, the airport. He's in the flight path of the airport. Again, true story. This is not one of those preacher stories. This is a true story. And a TWA air, uh, pilot radios the control tower and says, you will never believe what I just saw. <laughs> I just saw a guy in a lawn chair strapped to, uh, strapped to a lawn chair with some balloons at 16,000 feet. Well, he decides he should probably get down as these airplanes are passing him. So he begins to shoot out the balloons. As he's doing that, he drops the BB gun. <laughs> Long story, medium length. He finally gets caught in some uh, wires and some, some, or some, some power lines. The power company has to come. They have to shut out power to this grid in this area. Thousands of people without power for hours as they're getting Larry down from the, his lawn chair ballooning experience. And this is what Larry says as they ask him, why did you do it? And this is a quote from Larry. He says this. Sometimes you just sit there thinking about doing things you want to do, and there comes a time when you have to get up and do it. Now, for all of the lack of intelligence he has in some areas of his life, that's a pretty profound statement. <laughs> Similar to what James says in verse 25 when he says, But the man who looks intently in the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. And that last step, after we've done all that, after we're doing it, is very simply to get ready for God's blessing. Hang on, put your seatbelt on, because God's blessing is coming. God is always excited to bless those who are living in obedience. In verse 25, again, he says, he will be blessed in what he does. And I think that we all want to experience God's blessing. And so very simply this morning, what is God saying to you? What has God been saying to you? I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up. What has he been saying to you? How do you need to respond to his word? This morning we're going to open up these altars and give you an, an opportunity to respond if you'd like.
But what do you need to start doing that you're not doing? What do you need to, is there some sin that you need to confess and get rid of this morning? Who do you need to forgive in your life? What phone call do you need to make this afternoon? God's been telling you for a long time and you've not done it. Who do you need to call? In what area of your life do you need to stop worrying and just start trusting that God's going to take care of you today? Let's start, stop listening and let's start doing and get ready for the tangible and intangible favor of God. Let's stand. God, I thank you that your desire is to be a blessing to us. In fact, you said to Abram, Abram, I want to bless you so that in turn you can be a blessing to your world and then to the generations that would follow you. And I know, God, that that is your heart for First Church. Not just for this entire body, but God, you care about us as individuals. And as we walk in obedience to you, both as individuals and as a church, Father, I know that wonderful, life-changing blessings are in store for us. And so this morning, we want to say to you that we are ready, ready to listen, ready to do, ready for the tangible and intangible favor that you want to give us. Help us now as we respond, as we listen and do. We pray it in your son's name. Amen. There's a song that we're going to respond with this morning, and these altars are open if you'd like to come. If God has been speaking to you in some way and you'd like to come and pray, you come as we sing.